Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turning your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21 in your scriptures this morning. Matthew 21, verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. And this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, I like that, don't you? And sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. The disciples, verse 6, went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. The multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come unto Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, notice this, who is this? And the multitude said in verse 11, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. We're taking Matthew's vantage point. We read from chapter 21 this morning. Uh, we move from the close, the close of last week's text in chapter 20 into the region of Jerusalem now in our text today. Bethpage, as you notice in chapter 21, that's where they are located, was a village near Bethany, about a mile east of Jerusalem. It was kind of hidden, uh, the region or the little village of Bethpage. It was kind of hidden in the shadow of the Mount of Olives. If you keep notes or you like to jot things in the margin of your Bible so that when you come back across this passage, you maybe remember some detail and some extra blessing to it, you might jot that in. It's, it's in the shadow of Mount Olives. It's here that Jesus truly portrays Paul's description of him that Paul provides for us in Philippians chapter 2. I normally ask you to join me in a text when we return to it, but I'm not going to do that this morning with this one text of Philippians chapter 2. I'm prepared. I'm already there, and I'd like to read for you what Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 through 11 says. And while I read this, it's the reason I don't want you to specifically turn to it, I want you to just very patiently listen as I read these verses, and I want you to pinpoint the characteristics that our text in Matthew 21 portrays of who our Savior truly is as he's now in the shadow of the cross. Chapter 2, verse 5, Philippians says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. What a description. What we learn in the triumphal entry of Christ in our text of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21, above all other things, is that Jesus is worthy, isn't he, to be our Savior. As he sets the stage one final time, notice the details of this entry. First of all, number one, it's a worthy preparation. A worthy preparation. All throughout the ministry of Christ, we see that preparation was an important ingredient for the proper end result. John the Baptist certainly was preparing the way for the Savior, Jesus Christ. The Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus transfigured himself before his disciples, three of those disciples, showing his glory before them. All of his teaching, all of his preaching certainly pointed to this very moment. It was all preparation for the cross. We, we find here in, in, in next week's study the Garden of Gethsemane as he prepared himself to go to the cross. Worthy preparation is only accomplished, listen to this, by faith. Would anybody testify to that? Notice that Jesus asks these disciples to do something that requires trust. It requires faith. He is asking the same of you today. Faith preparation is found in your direction. Look at verse 2, back in our text of Matthew 21. Jesus says unto them in verse 2, the first red letter word that he says to them, he says, go. Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Luke, in his gospel, helps to define this scene a little more when he says in chapter 19, verse 30, Go into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. Let me remind you, we're talking about proper preparation, and we are reminded in proper preparation, it requires faith on our end. And I think there's a little bit of a detail in what Luke gives us according to this, this go. He says, go find the colt in which no man has ever set upon him. Excuse me? Now listen, you know that I have a love for horses, and that is intriguing to me. No one has ever set upon him. We're going to have a rodeo. I knew Jesus was a cowboy. No man has ever set on him. Now, in my mind, maybe you have never thought that, but as those two disciples leave Jesus' presence and go to find this donkey, I am certain that they had a conversation about that fact. This is going to be great. We're going to get a colt that no one has ever sat upon. What is Jesus going to do with this? What is that? That's faith. That's faith. We've been practicing uh, one part of our Easter drama. Uh, we have the triumphal entry. Uh, Jesus will be entering the auditorium here on a donkey. We've been practicing it. We're not, we're not doing it by faith, just like the Scripture says. <laughs> yeah, our Jesus... Uh, one of our men that is playing the part is not a cowboy, okay? So he doesn't have quite that much faith. He's been practicing uh, this, this moment. 
they had the simple facts of the task. They didn't have all of the particulars. I find something in that. How about you? The particulars, the details were not needed. Just go and do. In three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples are commanded to, literally it says our word here, go, and act upon what Jesus has said. For proper preparation today, some of us, some of us may need to heed to the same to the same phrasing, to the same command that Jesus gives these disciples. Some of us need to go and do something today. Likely, in a crowd of this size, there's someone here this morning that needs to be saved. You need to go ahead and accept Christ as your personal Savior. And if you're saved this morning, you ought to say amen to that. Because we know what that does for a life. We know the transformation process of salvation. If you're here this morning and you're not saved or you're watching through the live stream or you're listening on the radio this morning, you need to heed to what Jesus is saying to these disciples. Act in faith. You need to be saved today. Some of you are here this morning and you need to be baptized. Even Jesus was baptized of John the Baptist. It's an important step and piece of our obedience. If you've not yet been baptized, listen, you need to get that scheduled. If you have questions about it, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe you've been in some other works or some other movements and it differs from our belief or our doctrine concerning baptism and you need a scriptural view of baptism, we would love to teach you and show you what baptism means. But if you need to be baptized, you need to get it scheduled today. You need to go ahead and do it. Some of you, you're wandering. You need to be a member. You need to join. I'm going to use a really strong word with that. You need to commit to local church membership. It's not something that is preached. It's not something that is proclaimed as strongly as it once was, but I believe membership is crucial to your faith. I believe in the local church, don't you? You need to be a member of a local church. Don't find yourself wandering out there in between one work and another work. Lock in. Find where God wants you to be and, and join. Lock in so that you can be involved and you can hold yourself accountable. And a lot of times that's true. We don't want to lock in. We don't want to, to use our strong word, commit, because it's easy for us to be uncommitted when we're not a member. Please don't be offended by that. But I do want you to be reminded it's important for us to have a level of commitment to our faith. Some of us this morning need to go ahead and become members. Some of us this morning need to repent. Repentance is so needed in your life. The longer that you resist it, the more that you are telling God, you're literally telling God no about something in your life. Listen, I wouldn't be doing my job to the fullest if I didn't bring the word repentance up on a Sunday. Repentance is important to our faith, isn't it? Making sure that we are on the same page, we're going the same direction as God. If there's something in your life this morning that you need to repent of or about, listen, the Holy Spirit is so faithful, isn't he? Yeah, if you need to repent this morning, the Holy Spirit has already taken his holy finger and he has placed it upon something in your life or in your heart. You know that you need to repent of it. You need to get it settled. You need to turn from your current direction and get on the same page as God. Some this morning, it's acceptance. It's acceptance for you. Some of you are being told to go and do something for the Lord. 
He's delivering a, a, a heavenly opportunity package upon the front porch of your heart, and he's giving you an opportunity, and he's telling you to go. Go and do this. Take that flyer and, and invite so-and-so to the Easter celebration. Bring them to the drama. They may not come to church with you on a Sunday, but they come and watch Jesus ride a donkey down the aisle. Come to a Jesus rodeo. We have one of those in the fall, don't we? Huh? Some of you, he's telling you to go and do something. Teach a class. Be an assistant in a class. Get on one of our, our, our teams of, of opportunity, our hospitality team. We have a food preparation team. They uh, prepare food for meals and, and folks that are having dinners for funerals and different pieces and parts of, of life like that. Listen, some of you, he's telling you, reminding you, admonishing you to go and do something. It's acceptance for you. Verse 7 says that they brought the, the donkey to him. They did what they were asked in faith, complete trust of what he had given them, what he had told them. They trusted. They knew that God, God had purpose in this. He knew what he was doing. Worthy preparation is always based upon, mm, I like this, need. Verse 3, Jesus quiets some of the question marks of their heart by saying the taboo word, if. Look at verse 3, if you would. He says in verse 2, go. Now in verse 3, he says, and if, if any man uh, say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of, of them, if. The disciples were likely thinking, Jesus knew their thoughts, what happens if we go and do this and someone says, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, that's my transportation, that's my parking place, I tied those donkeys there, what are you doing, huh? Have you ever been uh, shopping and you come out of the store and you're going to your car and you walk up to the car and you pull upon the, the door and you think, mm, that's not my car. Anyone be honest this morning? Has anyone ever done that? I, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I did that yesterday. I had come out of the store. I, I saw someone as I was uh, checking, uh, checking out, checking myself out. What in the world is that, right? Self-checkout? Are you kidding me? I'm always paranoid I'm not going to I'm not going to run something across the scanner, right? And then I'm going to get caught for stealing. Preacher, caught for stealing. It's your fault. You're supposed to check me out. I checked myself. You trusted me. So as I'm checking out and there's a, a person next to me and I'm making sure that I get all my Vienna sausages across the scanner and, and as I'm going one by one, I, I noticed uh, this person over here and I looked up and I, I recognized them. I knew him and I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, hey, pretty good. How are you? You like Vienna sausages? I said, yes, I do. It's really none of your business. So we're kind of carrying on conversation, and we're talking about, about some things. And boy, as our, as our conversation was going, I was by myself. He was by himself. You could tell he had a, a honeydew list, and I had one too. And so uh, we finished at the same time, and we're walking out, and our conversation was intensifying. It was getting deeper. As we left the checkout station, we're now by the pretzels. I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to a pretzel. How about you, my friend? And you should buy. I didn't say that. As we're moving our way out of the, out of the store, our, our conversation is just getting deeper and deeper. And I had witnessed to this individual before. I've invited them to church a, a couple of, of times. And so we're walking out of the store. Boy, you could tell that the Holy Spirit had been doing something. So we're now outside of, of uh, the store. We're talking, and, and he says, you know, I've been kind of praying in my life. 
I said, you, you've been doing what? He said, I've been praying. I find myself praying more and more. Man, I had a, I had a hallelujah fit there. I almost went like Pentecostal for a moment right there in front of Walmart. I'm like, praise the Lord for that. That's good news. That's what all of us should be doing. Maybe we wouldn't be in the state that we're in today. He agreed, and we parted ways. And I'm, I'm so in, in, enthralled with what was happening in the conversation and what the Lord was doing, amen. I find myself, as he went this way, knew exactly where he was going. I'm on the wrong side of the store. I came out the wrong exit here for a second. Oh, wait, I think I'm in this, in this line. And so I find my line. I find the color of car, and, and I'm thinking about what had just happened. And I walk up and pull the handle. I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, hey. This isn't my car. And the door opened. Hey, the disciples were apparently thinking, what if we go and take these two cars, a.k.a. donkeys, what if somebody says something? Jesus, Jesus quiets their thoughts and their minds in verse 3, and he says, and if, and if. A better question would be, what happens if we don't do this? Notice Jesus Jesus' answer, which I love, he says, Ye shall say, if anyone asks you, this is what you should say to them, the Lord hath need of them. In an ever subtle fashion, Jesus is teaching and reminding us that there is a great need in preparation. Some of us today need to properly prepare ourselves or our hearts for the Lord. He has a great need in what he is doing. Number two, worthy, a worthy parade, a worthy parade. Let us not skip over the fact that this is, this is another prophesied moment of our Lord, verses 5, uh, 4, and, and 5. It's prophesied from the book of Isaiah, if you're keeping notes, chapter 62, verse 11. And this would be a recognizable, praiseworthy opportunity for the Jewish people. They knew the Old Testament they knew what the prophet Isaiah had said and written, and they would recognize this moment, and we obviously know that from our text because they responded to it. As we look at the scene of this, of this worthy parade, notice the setting. That's a key word. If you're keeping notes, I would jot that in the subpoints or the subtitles of, of number two. Notice the setting. Verse 8 gives us the description of a very large crowd that has gathered in the village. Look at verse 8 of chapter 21. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. There's a very large crowd that is, that is present here. And remember, they were traveling just like Jesus and the disciples. They were all going to the same place. They were all going to Jerusalem for the Passover. The streets were filled. There was a buzz a wonder, an anticipation. Something was unique about this setting. Something was about to happen. Imagine, if you will, let your mind go there. Imagine the push of the travelers seeking and trying to find their way. Imagine the dust from the streets and, and all of the, the crowds that were not usually in Bethpage. Bethpage was a small village. So notice the dust that is rising from all of the movement and the travel. Notice the rambling of the people along the streets. Can you hear, as we read and, and put ourselves in this text, can you hear the chatter of the people as they talk and they wonder and they anticipate something that is about to, uh, about to take place or about to happen? 
The setting went very quickly from unorganized to watchful and unified, with the the exception of the Pharisees, mind you, and they literally are pushed to the background. Luke tells us that they were hushed and moved to the outskirts. By the way, you and I need to learn to do the same thing with the Pharisees, with the judgmental statement, with the push of the world against what is right. Please say amen to the head. Push those comments and those thoughts. Push those to the side. Hush them and move them to the back of the scene. And allow your focus, especially this morning and the weeks to come, allow your focus to be on what it should be. We find not only the setting, but we find the saying of the crowd. Verse 9 tells us that the crowd went before and followed. Oftentimes, we picture the triumphal entry, the crowd being behind Jesus and kind of following him into the, the city. But the text tells us that they were before him and they were after him. They were going, here's your reference, they were going the same direction as Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen to that. That's the direction I want to go. How about you? They were going the same direction as Jesus. They were saying, they were crying aloud, Hosanna to the son of David, which means, let me translate that, please save. They were crying to Jesus, please save us. By their own mouth, they were proclaiming his worthiness to be their savior. Around him was chaos. It was loud. There were a lot of moving pieces, but in him was calmness as he headed the direction of the cross. You could hear the echoing of the people along the way. You could hear them break off the stems of those palms and wave them in the air. You could hear them, as the the scripture says, the text says in Matthew 21, that as they strawled the street. You could hear the ruffling and the shaking of those palm branches as they shrawled the street, as they took, the scripture says, as they took off their outer garments and laid them in the street so that that old donkey didn't walk on the normal cobblestone street, but he would walk on the worthiness of the Savior. Listen, around him was absolute chaos, but in him, let me stop there, your Savior, your Lord, your sacrifice was complete calmness. Somebody ought to say amen to that. He let them. He allowed them. He watched them as they praised him. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. I'll say this in a week or two, but things transition very quickly. This week they're praising him. Next week they kill him. This week they take off their garments. Next week they cast lots for his. They're saying, Hosanna, please save us. The parade itself provides us with beautiful symbolism We see the setting, we see the saying, and now we see the symbolism of who he is. The parading of a king or a leader was an expected sight for followers upon a victory or a defeat. He didn't have a victory yet. He was heading to it. A conquering king would ride a stallion through the streets as the the people celebrated his leadership and accomplishment. Here we see a vast contrast, don't we? As our Savior rides on a beast of burden, a symbol of peace. He was leaving no question as to who he was and what he had come to do. Right here at the triumphal entry, he was offering himself in symbolism as the sacrifice and peace that we all need. It was a parade that proved he is worthy. Number three, worthy people. Now, please don't misunderstand. We are not worthy of his goodness. Mercy. 
We are not worthy of his goodness. We are sinners, every one of us. We are sinners that are worthless without a suitable Savior. This praise and bearing of record was led by experienced people. Catch that. What happens in Bethpage in Matthew 21 is led by experienced people. Maybe you'd write that in the margin of your Bible. And let me explain it to you as you turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12 in your text, verse 17. John chapter 12, verse 17. Same setting here, the same story told from John's vantage point. He says in chapter 12, verse 17, The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead. Look at this, bear record. John gives us an interesting fact about the praise and worship leaders of this setting in Bethpage. They were post-Lazarus converts. They knew the who, what, when, and how of Jesus. They had experienced him already. Listen, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. What I'm saying to you is this. The people that were leading this worthy parade, the people that were praising him, the people that were, that were crying aloud, Hosanna, please save us. You are worthy. Those that were leading this, this parade were the ones that were present today that Lazarus was called from the grave. They had seen, likely had been a part of that burial. They heard Jesus say, roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And they were the ones that saw Lazarus come out of the grave with the grave clothes upon him and pulling them from his face, walking out and embracing Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It's no wonder. It's no wonder that they were crying Hosanna. It's no wonder that they said to the Pharisees, we don't have time for you. Shh, this is Jesus. Somebody ought to take off your coat and lay it down. This is Jesus. This is the one they called Lazarus from the dead. This is the God of resurrection. We believe who he is. They had, as the Bible says, tasted and seen the goodness of God. They were willing to lead the charge on sharing the gospel. Look at verse 9 back in our home text of 21. Verse 9, about halfway through, says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that com cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were willing to lead because they knew him. When it comes to this Easter season, some of us should find ourselves as a worthy candidate to proclaim his goodness. Why? Because you've experienced a resurrection yourself. You've been transformed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you're a new creature. Mercy, now I've just preached my little heart out and not one of you are going to say amen to that. You're a new creature. Yeah, you were once dead, but you are alive today, spiritually speaking. Some of us this Easter season need to, need to pick up and carry on. The praise and bearing of record raised the question, in verse 10, and I'll be finished. The question says, who is this? It's a question that has an instant answer. In verse 11 comes the answer to the question that is asked in verse 10. Verse 11 says, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. There was a multitude of disciples, but there, there were also those who did not know the truth of Jesus. That's why they're asking. They were worthy candidates, notice this, for receiving the gospel truth. They needed they needed Jesus. They needed a Savior. And they ask a valuable question. 
It's a question that likely every one of us in this room has asked at some point in our life. Who is this? Who is this? It's Jesus, and he is worthy to be your Savior. I ask you this morning, in light of what we have shared, where do you find yourself? Some of us need to give him the entrance to our Easter season, just like they did right here at the outskirts of Jerusalem. Some of us need to give him the entrance to our heart, to our Easter season. Some need to recognize he is among us today, just like they did in Bethpage with the the rustle and bustle of all of the crowd and all of the people. They recognized very quickly that he was among them. And some of us need this morning to recognize he's answering our prayer. We've been praying for the presence of God. He is among us this morning. Some of us need to go the same direction that he is going. Some need to accept the answer of verse 11 where it says, And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Someone here this morning, maybe two, maybe three, just like Wednesday evening, those two young people, somebody this morning needs, needs the answer of verse 11 in relation to the question of verse 10. Who is this? It's Jesus. It's the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. In other words, our Savior. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, Or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.